Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode, and uh, I'm here today, privileged to be joined by Kymrie Stone. Kymrie, thank you for, I'm glad that we finally were able to make this happen. I know you've not been feeling very well. I appreciate you being willing to sit down with the Boca Podcast community today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here, and I can't thank you enough for having me. But yes, I had the flu for a while after coming back from WPPI, but I am feeling a ton better, and I'm excited about this with you. Well, and thank you again for making the time. And I have to start by just kind of giving you props too, because I, I enjoy personal connection with individuals in person where I can just you know jump into conversation. One of the things that makes that so much easier is when somebody just brings a really great, we'll just call it for lack of a better term, a great energy to to bear in conversation where they actually seem genuinely excited to connect. And you bring that energy in conversation um, which, Thank you. <laughs> of course, of course. And, and please don't ever let that go because it, it's not the norm. You know, for whatever reason, many, if maybe not even most people, when they first meet somebody, they tend to hold back. They put walls up. They're shy, you know, whatever the reasons. And that's fine. We all have our own things. But at the end of the day, it can make it difficult to connect with somebody when they aren't willing to set those apprehensions and those insecurities and that kind of thing aside for the sake of just having a conversation with somebody. Um, showing some genuine interest. And and anyway, I, I just, I like that about you. So please don't ever give that up. Uh, thank you so much. You know, a lot of people have actually said that to me. And I think the thing that um, the reason why I'm like that is because I'm really honest and I'm like a happy-go-lucky person. I have an awesome life. So it's just kind of easy just to be like that in person or when I talk to people, because it's just me. Like I'm not putting on a front. Mm. I'm really, like, I really enjoy my career, what I do, my passion, my photography, my followers. Like I love interacting with my clients, everybody. So it's just kind of like as joyful as it is for you to speak to me, it's as joyful for me to speak to you. Like I love it too. I'm, I'm a total extrovert. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't already tell that. Well, th- this is good. And, and I'm, I'm glad then that we're going to both just kind of revel in this experience. Um, and, and by the way, you talk about being honest and just being yourself. And, you know, I mean, it, it's almost a cliche thing these days to talk about being, quote, being yourself or being genuine. But what I've seen in the industry just too much to the point that it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of grates on me, um, is there are some who are in the spotlight who have a pretty big following you you get not only get the sense but ultimately find out that they're kind of putting on like they're they're putting on a front in the moment like yeah. they're, they're on quote unquote and then right. they turn off after the fact and that's something that I that's the last thing that I want to be and and again I would encourage you please don't ever change because that's it, it's it can be so disappointing when you realize that somebody's putting on this front to engage with you and, it, and in fact it feels in many cases very very fake and you're like I don't right. why am I even in this conversation where you're trying to put on this front and be this particular person to engage with me but then you're gonna like just turn you're gonna flip that switch and turn it off after the fact it just it's so disingenuine and and um, I don't know it's it's kind of sad in the end too you know. No, it is. And it's almost disappointing because I've actually, when I first started photography 12 years ago, you know, I ran up to all of my people that I loved and I looked up to and I aspired to be like, and they weren't very welcoming. Mm. And it almost like it turned me off so bad that I didn't even like engage with them anymore. I didn't follow anything they did. I was just, I was kind of like, uninspired after meeting them. And I never, ever, ever wanted anyone to feel that way when they approached me or asked for my advice or came up to me with something they were really excited to learn from me. I never wanted anyone to feel the way I felt when I was trying to like 
you know, get my photography business up and running and develop my style and my brand and just kind of find out who I was. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And the thing with that too, is that you'll always remember like people, like the first impression, you'll always remember that. So it's just so like disheartening when you have to meet people like that. I I can't actually, I don't like it. (laughs) I like happy people and I like honest people. Yeah. And I don't know why that that has made such a big impact on me as well. But I I had two experiences. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I had two experiences in my life, literally two, um, where I had and I was I was younger for the first one, probably, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years old. Um, And then I was a little bit older, probably in my, I guess, mid 20s, mid to late 20s for the second experience. But two people that I had conversations with, who made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. And it wasn't that they were doing anything unusual per se. I guess unusual in the sense that they were actually paying attention, right? Because a lot of people when you have conversation, you can tell they're just they're just not there. They're not in it. They're not actually paying attention and they don't actually right. care. They, um, they're listening, but they don't hear you. hundred percent. So, yeah. so with these two experiences, they were so impactful in the way that, that these two guys... Um, and again, the first time I was probably about 13 and this was a family. I think we were traveling and we were visiting and it was a, just a relatively brief interaction. Uh, but that was really impactful. And then the second time it was a, a photographer's husband who just showed a, this incredible, genuine interest in me and my thoughts and what I was doing and, and showed me so much respect. And I'm, I, I just, I, I hadn't been made to feel that way before. Yeah, and it's an amazing feeling. It is. So so having yeah. had those experiences, um, and what I would encourage everybody who's listening in, make the effort the next time you have a conversation with somebody. And I have to be careful that I'm, you know, we talk about being on and off. It is easy to to be even more on, shall we say, um, in the context of work. Right. Um, you go home and then maybe not have, I guess, behave in the same way or give that same energy to the people that you're with kind of every day because that feels more, quote, normal. So I'm very conscious of that, too. And I want to make sure that I'm giving at least a similar energy to my kids um, when I'm at home as well. But make the effort. The next time you're having a conversation with somebody, everybody who's listening in, make the effort to look them in the eyes, ask genuine questions, show curiosity, and and even if you're not expressing it outwardly, if you feel care internally, that's going to come across in the way that you look at the person, the tone of the voice, and and even the type of questions that you ask them. It can make such a big impact. I mean, this is this can make a big impact in our personal life. It can make a big impact in, in our per- professional life when we're interacting with clients or potential clients. It, it just really is a, a big big deal. Uh, I did Absolutely. not expect to go here in this conversation, Kylie, yeah, but right? <laughs> this is this is fun, and I think this is how it should be. That's we should, what yeah. Well, we should we should let it flow like this, but um, I, I appreciate you helping us start off the conversation in that way. I think it's I think it's a wonderful reminder for all of us. But let's talk about your business. Yeah, um, where are you currently based? So I am based out of Seagirt, New Jersey, and Brick. Brick and Seagirt are kind of neighboring towns for us here. Okay. Um, it's central New Jersey. We're like a beach town. Um, and we have been in business for 12 years now. When I first started, it was just me. Two years, me all by myself. I never second shot. I didn't have a mentor. Um, there was no Facebook or Instagram. None of that existed. So pretty much everything I learned was trial and error. I messed it up. I knew I wasn't going to make the same mistake again. But then I've now had 10 years where I have a team. We bring six figures in every single year. And I have like no end in sight. I've been so lucky to build this amazing brand and we're still going pretty strong. And even with everything that's going on with the pandemic, I have not slowed down in any of my bookings. We just booked seven weddings last week and three this week. So we've had 10 bookings just this month. Okay. Now I can just imagine if somebody is listening in and we're still dealing with Corona, whenever this episode comes out, they're going to be like, how let's just pause everything. Like Nick's Nick's all the plans for whatever we're going to talk about today. Tell us how in the world you booked 10 weddings in the last couple of weeks. That, that is amazing. What are you doing to, to drive that business? I'm not doing anything different. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing exactly the same exact thing I would be doing if none of this was going on. So that means I'm still posting on Instagram two to three times a day. I'm still posting to my stories. I'm still posting to my Facebook um, business page. I am business as usual. And I'm kind of trying to be like a humorous light in it all. So everybody else is complaining and pulling politics into it and arguing. I am not doing any of that. 
a lot of my brides and grooms have gone through like so much heartache having to reschedule or postpone or not even knowing when to postpone. So I've been trying to just be like that shoulder they can lean on, but still showing them I'm here. Look at the things I'm doing. Look at my puppy. Look at how I'm planning for my wedding. I'm just every day. It's the same thing. So when people see that they gravitate towards that, they gravitate towards happy. They gravitate towards consistency. So literally I'm just doing the same thing. I'm not disappearing. I'm not not posting. I'm doing the same exact thing. And that's just reeling people in. They're still booking because you need to be seen in order. Like you can't just for me for like, like, let's just say Instagram, you can't post one day and then not post for a week. People have to see you daily. You have to be like constantly on their mind. I'm not saying to overwhelm them, but just let them know you're here. So for me, it's business as usual which has led to me booking even more because when other people are kind of like pulling back because they're depressed or, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We're all going to go through the emotions, but if you're not showing up, people don't know that you're there. Mm. So you have to just, you have to be present. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a, such a great reminder too. And I, and I, what really stood out to me amongst that too, amongst those comments, um, is the significance of consistency, how people are drawn to consistency. Because it really is easy to kind of play to our emotions and just do whatever we're feeling in the moment, especially in a situation like this, because it can be overwhelming. But you just got to show up day in, day out. You got to show up. Exactly. That's such a great reminder too. Something that we talk a lot about here on the podcast is about brand position. So what it is that we bring to the market that is unique, that's actually different than what other photographers are bringing to the market. What is your brand position there in that New Jersey market? Yeah, so that's that's exactly what we're going to be talking about too later on. So where I'm at in this part of the country, the style is more darker, moodier, contrastier. So I kind of saw this little opening in my like, um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to say brand because it wasn't a brand yet, but I saw this little opportunity that there wasn't a lot of photographers who were shooting like with a brighter style or a softer style or hmm. more tones. Okay. Um, and that's what I loved initially. I was trying to shoot like everybody else, <laughs> um, but I was like, you know what? I can't be doing what everyone else is doing because then I'm just going to be one in a a sea of a thousand. So I had to figure out what was going to make me stand out. So I started gravitating more towards a brand that was on the lighter airier, more welcoming, joyful style. So that's basically where I shifted year two and then stayed consistent um, year three till now I'm in year 12. So for however many years that was or whatever, I have built this like dreamy when people say, Oh, you know, go to KSS, hire Kaya Marie. They already know, Oh my God, her photos are beautiful. They're so dreamy and light and cheerful and airy and magical. Like I already like have built that up. So people will parallel the two they'll make they know that i equal this type of style okay so that's how i try to set myself apart okay so a couple of things first of all i love the way that you described what you did which was to look at the market see what most people are doing and then you saw an opportunity to to position yourself against them by doing something different or even just like going the opposite direction and right. that very thing for everybody who's listening in that very thought process and that behavior is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about creating a distinct and unique brand position. Look at what the market is doing. I mean, it could be as simple as just doing a Google search and looking at the first three, four five pages of results for the photographers in your area. Look at what they're doing. Look at the service that they're offering the style of photography, the copy on their site and go a, the opposite direction, go a different direction so that you stand out. Now, that's a wonderful thing. I, I have to be honest with you, Kymrie. I wouldn't normally suggest to photographers to base their brand position around a style, um, except that you saw an actual opportunity where visually you could really stand out. The question that I still have, though, is what? how do you actually communicate that to a potential client? Or do most of them come to you already knowing that this is the look and so they're booking you for that? Right. It's the, it's the second. Everyone that books with me, already is in love with my style. Okay. So they've actually 
done their Pinterest board, done their Instagram inspiration boards and everything they've pinned or the idea or the vision that they have is everything that my photography style is. Okay. So I've gotten really good at attracting my ideal client and them already wanting to book with me because they're familiar with the style of, of, of images they're going to get from me. That makes sense. Um, and again, props to you. I, I just, I love that you thought that way. It's not normal that you hear from photographers that they look at the market, they go that go the opposite direction. Um, so I have a lot of respect for that. And for those Thank of you listening you. in, when, if you're going to do this with style, keep in mind one thing, which is that photographers have an eye for photography that most of our potential clients don't. So if you're going to position your brand based on photographic style or more specifically editing style, make sure that it is drastically different than what most are doing in the market in order to actually stand out. The the nuanced differences that we notice from photographer to photographer, most of our potential clients are going to see that. It's got to be drastic. It's got to be significant. Um, And I just want to throw that reminder out there. But that's that's really cool that, that you've been able to do this. Yeah. And even to push the point a little bit more, the good thing about that, I liken this to like coffee. You know, when you want a really great cup of coffee, you go to Starbucks, but if you're just in the mood for like something, they pep you up, you can just stop at Dunkin' Donuts. I I feel the same way. I want to be a Starbucks cup of coffee. So when my clients know they want my type of images, they don't really care what my prices are because they're prepared to pay for that. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I guess the thing and the reason that I said I don't normally recommend that photographers run based on a style is because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of photographers um, here in the U.S. market alone who are largely using, you know, the same, whatever, 100 or 200 Lightroom presets. And so you, you do a Google search and you look at photographers' work. And in, in many, if not even most cases, you're going to see in that Google search a number of photographers who edit their images very similarly. Right. Um, and so that's where my apprehension lies. It's cool that you actually saw a distinct opportunity, a distinct difference, and that you've run on that. And that's why I'm reminding our listeners too to make sure that there is actually the opportunity to truly be different enough, not just something that photographers would notice, but that clients would actually notice um, before they, they make that move. And again, props to you. I mean, you're obviously doing it right because you, you're booking 10 weddings in a couple of weeks in the middle of the coronavirus <laughs> is pretty awesome. So really, really cool. But let's actually move to a different question, which has to do with customer experience. So you've been in business now for over 10 years. What has been one of the most important principles that you've learned about providing great customer experience in your business? Yeah. So I really started out as being just a business. Like literally you book me, I give you a contract, you meet a deposit, we make payments, see you at the wedding. Okay. But as I shift it more and I want it to be able to charge more and charge accordingly for, you know, my, how I was in this for a while. I wanted to like be paid for basically my skill. I had to figure out that and actually move towards this a lot more that I had to bring more of myself into my business. So my clients know now, um, and if you've talked to, if you were to get any of them on the phone or on a chat, they yeah. would tell you that from the moment they book with me, they feel like welcomed and loved on and respected and that their wedding is the only wedding I shoot. And that's because we do welcome gifts and I follow them on Instagram and I comment on their posts. And I send them little things throughout the whole entire time we're booking tips, tricks, things they need to know, even like little like hints, like, oh, my God, I saw this. I thought of you. I put more of myself into my business. So customer service isn't just like, hi, how can we help you? It's more like, hey, what's going on? My clients all feel like they know me personally. They'll, they, they can even tell you what kind of dog I have. And I know that's funny to say, but it's because I build a close relationship with them. So they don't feel like they're my clients. They feel more like beyond me shooting their wedding, we're going to have this lasting relationship. And, it's, and everyone on my team is the same way. And okay. I, I give everyone a pep talk. When we're going into our weddings, even though it's maybe the thousandth wedding that we've shot, it's the first one for them. So you you smile, you love on everyone from the bridal party to the family, like all day long, we have to represent our customer service side of it, which is welcoming, nice, accommodating, like, and I mean, 
from my couples even getting that initial first welcome gift, they'll get another gift after we're completely done, everything's done, albums done, photos are done. The whole entire time, I just love on them. And I try to tell people that all the time too. When you stop being so like stern and bossy and just be more of yourself, it, it, it says volumes for people. Literally, like there's no more complaints. There's no more bad reviews. It's just so much easier to, to treat people the way you want to be treated. So for my, my team, they know if you would want something done for you in a certain way, then just let's do that for the clients. That's really interesting. How do you different, like, is there a line for you between personal and the professional? Because I mean, this is, this is a point of conversation that's pretty commonplace at this point in the industry. People talk about the significance of being personal and I know it can look different for different people and, and that's fine, but at what point is that? personal like do you draw a line between the what you're how you are personal in your business versus how you're personal in your personal life um not really the only time I've honestly really had to do that is now with the pandemic here because we had to consider refunding some people where normally we wouldn't or we had to consider um, rescheduling on dates we normally wouldn't shoot on, which would be like my birthday or Halloween, like holidays and stuff like that. So normally I'm more personal, but this is really the first time I've had to pull out like go by the book contracts. I try my best to work through things with the, with whatever the issue is. We always try to come to some sort of resolution. Okay. Um, I'm not very... I know it's bad to say because I run a business and I'm I'm almost hesitant to say it, but I'm not very businessy. We do run our business completely to the books, but I personally am more of a down to earth, let's resolve whatever it is that's going on, as opposed to like here's your contract, um, see you later. I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, like it's just, it, and, and again, too, like every client, couple, every situation might be different. Sure, sure. So I just address it as I have to. And so far, so good. We've, <laughs> never had, we've never had anything, you know, where it's been like a nightmare or a legal issue. So, like, what's what I'm doing is working for me. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and it sounds like a pretty great balance, too. Uh, I just, I know that when it comes to the, to the personal side of things, it could be, of course, again, it differs from person to person, but some might say, oh, you can't be too personal uh, or it's going to come up, come off unprofessional. Or maybe in some cases, putting so much of yourself out there personally for the sake of your clients leaves little energy at the end of the day for yourself and for, you know, your family, for your close friends. Um, And so I didn't know where that line was for you, but it sounds like you've, you've found a pretty great balance. Yeah. I have. <laughs> it's really great. Oh, that's really that's really cool. Well, let's talk about something else related to, especially friends and family. Let's talk about time. Um, sure. Amidst running a business, uh, being engaged to be married, uh, yes. and of course having family and friends, uh, other relationships. How do you juggle all of this effectively? What's one of the more important principles you've learned about time management as a photography business owner? Right. So my friend Vanessa Joy gave me the best advice ever. If you can give it to somebody else, give it to somebody else. So I outsource a lot of things. Um, I have an office assistant. She answers the emails. She sets up my appointments. I just rebranded and did a new website, and I have um, hired someone to do my blogging. I actually hired someone to do the website, and now going forward, she'll be the one maintaining it as well. Um, All my speaking engagements, I have someone that does my um, presentations on, you know, on my Mac, on pages. Wow. So I've actually delegated a lot of what I used to try and take on to other people. I feel like we can get lost in all of this. And unfortunately, as creatives, we hate to give other people our job, like, because we feel like no one can do it better than us. But you can't be everything to everyone all the time. And there's just some things that other people do better than I. And and, and I accepted that. I don't like to blog because I'm not really good at writing up the stories, but there is somebody who does it and does it amazingly. So let me let that person do it. And if I'd rather pay them, you know, 10 or $12 an hour, and I could be doing something more productive, like, you know, uh, booking a new client, which is me 
three, four, five hundred dollars an hour. Right, right. So if I can give somebody else, you know, something that will give me more time, it just makes more sense. So once I did that, once I built my team, and it's it's not something that happened overnight. Once I got, because I I went through a few people, and I needed people that were more like me, and were going to love what they were doing. I mean, I get it. We have these jobs and not everybody loves everything they do, but I wanted them to at least appreciate it and, and be into it as much as I would, as I was. So over the years, I've built up my team. I have a solid team now and I give more to them and I do less. And it has given me back so much time. Now I don't, my office assistant is only here 10 to two, but let me just tell you the stuff that she does gives me back my whole entire day. Wow. And it's not me sitting at the screen 24-7 editing or 24-7 answering emails. I don't want to do that anymore. I lost my mom. I don't have the luxury to let my kids grow up without me being there. Mm. And I've I've decided that me having an amazing business but also an amazing life makes me a better person. So with my team doing a lot, I'm able to spend more time with my girls, do my own wedding planning, spend more time with my fiance. And then on top of that, we also stop shooting as much, which means I used to take Friday, Saturday, Sunday weddings, and I won't do that anymore. We're only going to do two a week. So if we do Friday and Saturday, we take off Sunday. If we do Saturday and Sunday, we take off Friday. If we do Friday and Sunday, we take off Saturday. So we never do three in a row because then it's just too much and it's too much on your body. It's too much time away from your family. So we've also scaled back on the amount of weddings we do as well. Wow. I I mean, first of all, major props to you for taking the steps to delegate because obviously the, the benefits are there. Um, And I wish more photographers would kind of lock onto this idea. It can be disconcerting for sure. But on the other side of that, and and on on the other side of a little bit of expenditure expenditure of cash comes not only time savings, but the ability to make way more money, which and I'm glad that you made that distinction. You may pay somebody 10, 12 bucks an hour to do something, but then you're making four or $500 an hour because you're out doing something that's actually building your business. And I think that's what's missed a lot of times uh, is that very simple idea photographers get fixated on the idea that it's going to cost something to delegate or to outsource. They miss out on the the reality, which is that they can be making a lot more as a result. But something else you pointed out, and I'm really curious to get your take on this. You mentioned that consideration that photographers will make about whether or not somebody else can do something better than us. I wonder, um, and I kind of have my own take on this, but I wonder about your perspective on whether or not it's actually about whether they can do it better or if it's more about just being able to for them to be able to do it good enough so that ultimately the time is saved and I'm freed up to focus on more important things. Right. Yeah. I, you know, when I first started, I thought I could do it all. And I, I tried to act like I could, but becoming humble and admitting that I can't do it all is what's made me be a better businesswoman. Okay. And I think that like for me, and I, and it's a lot of people that I, I speak to too, we don't like to admit that we fall short or we don't like to admit that we don't succeed in a certain in, in areas or, or we don't like to admit that we can't do it all. But being able to say, to step back and take a look at everything and just being able to have a clear head for a second and say, okay, look, I need help is the best thing anybody can do. Hmm. Well, I'll leave it at that. I think that's really, really well said. Talk to me about inspiration outside of photography, because we spend as photographers a lot of time following other photographers and their Instagram feeds and constantly looking at their images. And it can be easy to get sucked into that vortex where we then all just end up copying and pasting what the other person's doing. Do you find inspiration outside of photography that's been beneficial to your business? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I actually unfollowed most photographers. Interesting. You know what? Yeah. Cause you know what I was doing? I was comparing myself to them and then I was becoming like sad. Like how come I'm not shooting a wedding in Italy or how come I'm not running through the lavender field? <laughs> so I, I actually stopped following 99.9% of the photographers I was following because I was becoming uninspired Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I was actually like more in my head. And I started following people that were like 
pushing me to be better. Gary V. Oh my God. Yeah. Love him. Tony Robbins. Like if you ever just need to sit in your car and just really dig deep and like think about it all. Tony Robbins is amazing. I know this sounds funny, but like uh, Joanna and Chip Gaines, because they're so amazing with their family and the way they run their business. And they're so uh, just natural and, and they're happy together. And that's the type of relationship I want to have with my future husband. Hmm. So I really have not been following any photographers. I've been following people that make me want to do better and be better and like help. Not that they know me personally, but their words help me Yeah, and they make me think. And that's really what I want to do. I, I need to do. I, I, I need it to stop comparing myself to what other photo- photographers were doing. And I needed to get the, myself on the path of what can I do, even if it's not going to Italy to shoot that dream wedding. But maybe I'm here and I'm in Oregon, which I love just as much shooting that dream wedding. So I had to stop. I really did. I know a lot of photographers follow me and they follow other photographers. There's nothing wrong with that at all. For me personally, though, I had to follow people that were make that need that make me feel like I want to be a better person, a better mother, a better business owner, a better photographer. Oh, I love that. I think that's really great and, and really good inspiration for me and, and for our listeners as well. And and it speaks to the fact that you think for yourself as well, because I, I think a lot of photographers have a tendency, maybe not even consciously, of just kind of seeing what somebody else is doing and then, oh, I'll try some of that. And seeing what somebody else is doing, and I'll try some of that as well. And that, again, is part of why we end up with so many photographers doing so much of the same thing is because they're just kind of copying and pasting and, and you know, kind of being sheep, if you will, following uh, other photographers. Right. And so I love this this approach, which is to stop focusing on the photographers and go outside where you know you can find benefit for you personally and focusing there. And and I'm right with you. Gary, between Gary V and Tony Robbins, if we all did everything that they suggest that they recommend our business and our personal life would probably just be like 10 X a hundred X where we are right now, because they've obviously learned quite a bit that is effective on a professional level. It's effective on a personal level. I mean, I literally have tattoos Kai Marie on my, on my arms because of what I've learned through Tony Robbins. Um, and yeah, yeah, and some of what he's taught. So, um, I, I, I'm right there with you and I, I think it's a good thought process to look for those inspirations. Of course, nobody's going to be perfect in the end, but inspirations where we need them, where we want them, follow those people and and don't just make it about photographers. I think it's a great recommendation. But speaking of impactful um, individuals, I mean, this we can also find this in the in the form of books or potentially even podcasts. What is one of the most impactful business or self-help books that you've read or listened to in the last few years? Yeah, so I actually read um, just recently because I'm flying a lot. Instagram Secrets by Jeremy McGilvery. Okay, have you heard that book? I, I think I've heard the title, but I've not read it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a little bit older, but a lot of it's still a lot of the concepts he talks about still apply to today. It's like um, growing your following fast, and you know, driving mass traffic you know, generating profits. Like he goes in, it's not just about Instagram. It's really just about branding and business and building like your empire. And I really thought, like, I thought it was a, a gimmicky book when it popped up on my Instagram yeah, feed. Yeah. You know, oh, here, get this. But it really was a pretty good book. So that one, and then probably, which you're going to laugh, and actually it can lead us into our next little thing we're going to talk about, which is me shooting film. Um, years ago, when digital photography first was a thing, I read a book by Glenn Johnson called Digital Wedding Photography. And just to scratch out the title, it was really about just creating and capturing beautiful memories and beautiful moments for your clients. And that book really spoke volume to me. And it really just explained to me like the fluidity and catching motion and also being able to show romance and the connection between your couples, which is something that I try to do in my photos. I want you to look at my photos and be happy or know that my couples really love each other and that we had a beautiful day together. So that was another one. It was Digital Wedding Photography Capturing Beautiful memories by glenn johnson yeah i just pulled that up on amazon we'll link to that um and to instagram secrets in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for those of you listening in and by the way we also if you're listening in and you're looking for something to read um if you go to boca b-o-k-e-h bookshelf.com 
uh, we actually highlight the most popular books here on the podcast. We've done, well, I've, I've recorded well over 400 episodes now, and we get a lot of different book recommendations, but we've listed the most popular ones there. So go check them out, bocabookshelf.com. And of course, we'll link to both these books here in the show notes for today's episode at bocapodcast.com. But yeah, Kymery, you mentioned our, our kind of main focus, our main conversation for today. We're going to actually talk about, this is a really interesting, actually, I'm quite fascinated by this, not just shooting film, but ac- actually how shooting film can improve profitability. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's almost counterintuitive. We'll get to that in a second. But when did you actually begin mixing film in with your digital work? About three years ago. It's been three years now. I'm hitting my fourth year um, in the fall. Okay. So, and what percentage would you say at this point of your clients are purchasing the film option or or purchasing that as an a la carte option? Yeah. So first, you know, when I was testing the waters, maybe a few couples here and there, but right now about 75% or more of my couples add on film. That is wild. Okay. But here's, here's the thing that is really striking to me. First of all, you're having them add on film. You know, we, we, Film photographers is not a new concept. I mean, I actually started on film as a photographer when I started shooting weddings back in 2001 and then, of course, transitioned to digital. I maintained a little bit of film along the way. I was shooting with a a Russian panoramic 35-millimeter camera as a way to add something kind of extra, kind of cool for my my clients. But now it's a cool thing to not just shoot digital and apply a film preset, but to be a film photographer. You've taken a different approach, which is that you're a digital photographer, but then you give clients the option to purchase a film option and and you're actually improving profitability you say but this is where it's kind of counterintuitive because my my initial thought is well you have to pay for processing wouldn't that actually take away from profitability so that i mean what how do you make this happen how do you make it more profitable yeah so once you start shooting you have to show the images so people have to understand it that's the very first thing People don't understand when they, when you say film, they automatically think video. So you have to, first of all, show them the difference. Okay. So if you were to go through my Instagram or website um, and I send couples galleries that are just all film weddings and film photos. So right from the door, you have to kind of give them the, the history of it. You have to explain it to them a little bit. Once they understand, they see the difference. You can tell a mile away the difference between an image that was shot on a film camera and an image that was shot on a digital camera. Well, we can as as photographers, but we can see the difference. But is that... I, I don't know. I, I'm, I've interacted with so many different people over the years. I'm, I, I guess I'm apprehensive at the idea that most of our clients can actually see the difference. Are they actually seeing it or are we just doing a better job of selling them on the difference? Once I educate them on it and we're on a a call together and I walk them through the galleries, they see it immediately. They're like, oh, my God, these images are beautiful. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I do have to educate them a tad bit. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some brides who know exactly who are the film photographers and they're ready to book. But the ones that aren't are the ones that I just spend a little bit more time chatting with. And then I, I let them know the differences because they'll see it once I send them my initial pricing and they'll see film as an option. And right then and there, they'll see the image next to that option and they'll say, wow. So they, you have to let them know about it. The ones that don't, most of my clients now know that I can also shoot film and they're coming to me for that. But the ones that don't, it takes a few minutes just to like, let them know what it is. And then I always suggest to add on no less than four roles. Now, when I say to them, four roles will give me about 15 minutes of shooting time with you and your soon to be husband, but they're looking at the images and they're, and they see that I've also captured like shoes or the dress and they're like, well, you know, that's not a lot. So nine times out of 10, they add 10 or more roles. I charge a hundred dollars for each role. And then my processing fee is only $22. So right there, I have a $78 profit per roll. And then let's just take off $3 for shipping. So let's just say I have a $75 profit. And then they've added on 10. So I have $750 right there. They've already paid their wedding collection. Now they've added on 10 rolls a la carte. So from that $750, I can pay my second shooter, her, him, him or her, whoever I'm using, that $500 fee that they get to second shoot. I can pay my third shooter, who's my assistant, that $150. 
So that's six fifty. But I've also I've already profited seven fifty from them taking those ten rolls. So I even have a hundred dollars to play with, and I've never once touched the money that they originally gave me for their wedding package. Wow! So I make almost a thousand dollars each time a couple adds on rolls. Although I suggest four. As we get to talking and chatting and looking through things on, on our Zoom calls or our meetings or when we're sitting down face-to-face, they nine times out of 10 add on 10 or more. Huh. That is, I mean, this is such a wild concept and a, and a model. Did you, was this something you just kind of came up with on your own? Did you see it exemplified somewhere else? How, how did you approach this? It, again, I'm telling you, I'm more of a trial and error person. So okay. <laughs> I had to first find the best lab that gave me the best result for the least amount of me having to pay, which I ended up with PhotoVision, PhotoVision prints. And I tried a few labs. So I shoot medium format film and to process that is $22 a roll. That was the least amount I could find for the best result. And then I oh I know that I always want my profit to be at least a hundred dollars. That's just a number that I've seen over the years that just makes me happy. Yeah. I never want to do anything outside of my home for less than a hundred dollars. So that's where I came up with that a hundred dollar per roll. I honestly don't know what other photographers charge because I haven't had somebody mentor me or guide me in that direction. It's just what I feel was best for me profitability where. I can make the most and and have the least expense. So that's why I came up with $100 per roll. And I've actually just kept it there over the three years. I haven't adjusted that price. Okay. So it, it, it works out really good. And I'm telling you, I never, ever even dip into the original wedding package that they booked. I've, I've literally paid my shooter, both my shooters, and bought their flash drive. I give my couples all a USB drive off of that a la carte money that I made just from the 10 rolls. You said you shoot medium format. What type of film and camera are you using? So um, I have a Pentax 645 N2, um, which is an autofocus camera. And I recommend that one if you're doing weddings, because again, it it autofocuses and you're, and it's lightweight and it's just like shooting digital. I also have a Pentax 6.7 which is a little bit more difficult to maneuver because you don't have autofocus um, and it's a little bit harder to change the roles. So I have three of those. And if my um, assistant can just change the roles out real quick while she's doing that, I'll grab the 645. But I also shoot 35 millimeter when it's a really busy wedding and everything is just moving super quick because with the medium format, you need to be a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, so Nikon gave me um, an F100 and that's a 35 millimeter. I and love that, that camera. One, yeah. And that one's amazing because you can use all of your lenses. So if you're a Nikon shooter and you have any lens ever, they all fit that F100 body and you do not need an adapter. So you're, you literally can shoot with any lens and it's perfect. And then 35 millimeter also gives you more exposures. So you can shoot a lot longer on that. Um, um, And then for the film, it doesn't matter whether I'm actually shooting medium format or 35 millimeter. I use um, a stock called Fuji 400 H. Okay. And that will just give me that consistent look that will mirror my digital images. So Fuji 400H is a softer film where the colors are a little bit more muted and it gives you that like romantic, light, airy, just joyful type of image as to opposed to like, you know, the darker, deeper, more contrasty colors. If that's something you love, then you would be shooting a, a film stock called Portra. But I like Fuji 400H. 400H. Okay, cool. Yeah, the, the Nikon F100 is actually the first, shall we call it a professional film camera that I went to uh, when I first got started. So I started on this little Minolta um, SLR and shot with that for, I don't know, maybe even a couple of weddings or so. But I ended up buying the F100. And it was just, it was so fun going from this consumer level camera to the F100. It was just so quick and, and you know, so snappy and it focused fast. And, right. and it was ultimately <laughs> such a great camera. But the, the cool thing about that camera for anybody who's listening and is curious to get a 35 millimeter camera, you can get one of those now for like 250 bucks. It's if you not go to, even cheaper. Yeah. You it, can get- yeah, I saw one on eBay for like $125. That's crazy. Like, Whoa, what? 
that yeah if you're if you're trying to get into film the medium format cameras are a little bit more expensive and I don't recommend ever anyone investing more than they should when they're first starting out. Yeah. So a 35 millimeter camera is amazing. It's great. Yeah. That's my vacation camera. Yeah. Get a 35 millimeter camera, order some film off Amazon and test it out. And you're going to have, and you know, the best thing about that is that it's fun. Like you don't know what you're shooting. So literally when I get my scans back from a photo, the, the lab that develops my film, it's like Christmas morning. I cannot wait <laughs> to see what I captured. So on top of me, like, you know, making a profit from it, it's, it's enjoyable too. And it slows you down. Like we're always like click, 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 click with our digital cameras because we can. We can just change out the SD card or the CF card or the XQD card. But with film, you slow down. You feel the moment more. You're more involved with your couples and the pose and the light because you you know you only have 36 exposures or you only have 12 or 16 exposures. So you have to get more right in camera. So for me, shooting film over the last three years has made me a better photographer, hands down. That's really cool. Well, we'll... um. Uh, make sure that anybody's listening in, if, if you are interested in, in just at least experimenting with film, that Nikon F100, highly recommended. You can get a 50 millimeter 1.8 lens uh, for next to nothing to go along with it, and you can get started. It's, it is a really great little camera and highly recommended. I, I'd love one of these days to shoot with those Pentax cameras, especially that, that 645. Um, maybe I'll get a chance to do that at some point. But um, let's talk a little bit more about the sales process, um, trying to ultimately sell the client on film. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're showing them galleries. Can you take us through that in just a little bit more detail here as we close, just so our listeners get a feel for how they're ultimately communicating the significance of the film versus the digital to their clients? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're not shooting the weddings that I am, and I know a lot of people aren't, I just wanted to mention it's a really good idea to set up a styled shoot or to attend one. Because then you'll get a, a really good portfolio of beautiful images, and that'll help you attract your ideal client. A lot of people are against styled shoots, but they're really good as far as like showing people what you're capable of. Um, but I have galleries that are all set up. I have some weddings where it, we've shot all film, and I have some weddings where it's a pretty good mix of like 50-50, which I call hybrid shooting. I was 50% digital, 50% film. So if I'm actually meeting with a couple, I will just sit down and we'll go through a few. I try to find a venue that either their wedding is at and we've been to or something similar um, so I can show them what it'll look like and they get an idea of, okay, you know, this is um, pretty much what we're going to see when we get our pictures back. Um, but I have galleries that are set up. I've picked probably about 10 of my favorite weddings over the past three years. I just, I go through them with the couples and we talk about like the little things and, you know, I am very excited when I talk about it. So that probably sells it too, because I really <laughs> love shooting film. Um, but I do educate them. Those are the ones that I have to. Most of my clients now don't need to be educated because they're already coming to me for my style. Um, and if we're not in, if we're not face to face, I still have about 10 galleries that I will send them. So after we've talked maybe just over the phone, I send them my pricing and at the end of my pricing link, it says um, link to, and you can either choose film, digital, film, and digital. So they get to follow the links and they can see weddings that are shot, you know, half film, half digital. So I do show them. They definitely need to see. Yeah. Again, because like I said before, if you say film to some people, they automatically assume it's a video hmm. film, like a movie film. Right. So I definitely do show them. So anyone, if you're trying to get into it and you don't have any images, attend a style shoot, set up a style shoot, offer to shoot with a, a photographer. I have people all the time that come, you know, for the day with me, they mentor with me so that you can get a few of those images into a portfolio, set up a gallery, have the gallery link accessible and show it to your clients. We're visual people. Look at Instagram. We love pictures. <laughs> so people have to see things in order to be able to be sold on them. Oh, that's great. Well, and, and this is this has been such a fascinating conversation. And I think it's a really interesting business model that more photographers could experiment with. I do actually have one more question. I meant to ask you this earlier. You, you said you landed on PhotoVision for a lab. What is the experience that you're having with them that was that kind of a standout above the rest? 
So PhotoVision is, um, I can't even, I love them. They, they talk to you. They ask you, Hmm. what do you want your images to look like? And you tell them, you know, I really love XYZ photographer. And they will actually go look at that photographer and they will say, okay, you know, muted tones, brighter tones. And then they try to help you with setting up what's called a color profile. So you're literally not just sending them a roll of film and then they're processing it in some printer and shipping it off to you. They will adjust stuff. Let's just say you love greenery. They'll give you more greens. You like your um, images to have a little bit more of a magenta hue. They'll add in more pinks. So PhotoVision was the only lab that let me tell them exactly what I wanted, the exact look I was going for in my film images, and they were able to replicate that. On top of that, their ordering is super easy. You literally just print a form out, send it in. You can send it right through USPS regular mail. It's nothing like too like complicated. I mean, I always suggest that you ask for a signature just because especially with weddings, if your couples are paying you five, six, seven thousand dollars like mine are, you want to make sure that their film's not getting lost. But their whole system is just easy. You just send them over the film and their scans are back to you right in your inbox within a couple of days. So on top of them being able to work with color profiles and then have an easy ordering system, they also are the cheapest that I found for all the other excellent services that they do. Wow. Well, it sounds really impressive. And by the way, this is not meant to be a a sponsored episode or anything of the sort, but I just, it's curious. And of course, photographers are curious, where should they go, especially if they're just getting started with film? So we'll link to PhotoVision in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. And uh, as we close out, Kymery, will you just share one more time where our listeners can follow you online? This has been such a wonderful conversation and, and really can't thank you enough. Oh, yeah, it was so fun. I hope we can do this again. But yeah, you can follow me. I have a group on Facebook. It's called Photography Darling. Um, I post in there all the time. Anyone can join. It doesn't matter if you're Nikon, Canon, Sony, whatever you shoot. It's just a group for photographers um, that support each other. And I help out as much as I can. And then I'm also on Instagram. It's just my name, one word, Kymery Stone. Um, and I'm really active on my Facebook company page. I'm not really into like Twitter or anything like that. I don't, they haven't really done a lot for me, but I (laughs) am, I am, am I, every day I am on Instagram. I am on Instagram stories. I am in Instagram DMS. I am a big fan of Instagram and I just joined TikTok. So we'll see how that turns out. Perfect. Well, we'll put all of these again in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, take advantage of the show notes with these episodes. Haley puts together just a really organized uh, collection of resources and talking points from each episode. So make sure you go take advantage of that. Thanks once again, Kai Marie, for hanging out with me today. Of course. And stay safe out there. You too. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.